This is Keep Up. I'm your host, Cynthia Dill. It's Thursday, September 1st, 2022, and I'm recording from my Portland, Maine studio. Today's guest is Michael Friedland, the owner of The Lumbery, a lumberyard and hardware store in downtown Cape Elizabeth. We'll talk about sustainable wood and why Michael Friedland says the town of Cape Elizabeth needs a new town planner. Michael Friedland joins me by phone. Welcome, Michael Friedland. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, I really appreciate you joining Keep Up. I know you're a busy guy, the owner of what's described on your website as a sustainable lumberyard. Can you tell us a little bit about the lumbery? Yeah, and uh, I could go on and on for, and I've got all these talking points, so I'll try and keep it brief. Uh, Basically, we are a farmer's market for local wood mills in Maine. And uh, so we're in the Pine Tree State, uh, the most sparse state in the uh, lower 48, but a lot of the wood is brought into Maine. So a lot of the wood isn't local. So if you're building a home, potentially 50 to 100 percent of the wood you use in your home might come from europe or the west coast and so even though the home you're building is super energy efficient the carbon footprint from importing all this wood from so far away is is just enormous whereas there's such a readily available resource of wood locally and all you have to do is do a little extra legwork go to local mills and you could have a house built probably 70 percent with local materials now, does that well, make sense? It, it does make sense, but I'm curious, and I bet listeners are curious, how does that add to the bottom lines in terms of cost, just in ter- hard dollars and cents? Yes. So when doing my business model before we opened our store, we didn't want to open a boutique lumber yard because no one wants to pay triple for a two-by-four. And we discovered that the prices were the same or lower, and the quality was higher. And it supports all these local towns throughout Maine and in our two years in existence, we've contributed about a million dollars to small mills, which I don't say we're solely responsible, but they've been able to increase their staff, upgrade their equipment, add new equipment, and um, and I mean, just the, the carbon reduction is unbelievable. That's a million dollars that's not spent on wood from away. Now, is building with wood still in, or are people moving towards more... Um you know, technological products that don't mold, uh, you know, there's a lot of no, with, new with materials. Wood, built with wood, you, wood captures carbon and it captures carbon for the life of the building. So if you're building with steel, there's no carbon capture. So people are becoming incredibly more educated as to how to reduce greenhouse gases and emissions and the carbon footprint. And a big part of that is building with wood. So there's, it, it's slow, but there's a growing trend towards building more with wood. Uh, there, I know there are some advanced engineering structures that are, that are made so that you could have enormous structures built out of wood as opposed to steel. What draws you to wood? Did you grow up around wood? Uh, I've been a carpenter and in the trade since 95. And actually, I mean, the, the irony is that for... From 95 till probably 99, I had no clue where the wood I was purchasing came from. I, there's no labeling. There's, there's nothing in the store to say this wood's from Europe, this wood's from Maine. So I didn't even know there was an option. And it wasn't until we, I started doing research for this business that I realized that over the past 20 years, a lot of the wood I've been buying does not come from Maine, which, it, you know, it would be like someone saying that the lobsters you just had came from Long Island, New York. 
Yeah, it, it is ridiculous when you think about how much, it, it make how many and, trees and we have that we would import. Right, wood. and there's a sense of pride with lobsters. Like, oh no, I can't believe my lobster came from away. But there, it's weird that there's no sense of pride for trees, even though it seems like it, it's our state flag. It's we're the pine tree the, state. Yeah, the the pine cone is actually the state flower, which is bizarre, and uh, and it's just such a huge part of our main economy, but. Uh, the lobster gets more attention. Now, you, mo- so, when you when you were a carpenter, you had your business in very popular and trendy Willard Square in South Portland and moved to Cape Elizabeth to open the lumbery. Why did you decide to move from Willard Square to downtown bustling Cape Elizabeth? Um, well, that story is not as exciting, but um, as my I had a handyman business and we had about 12 employees and we're doing about a million in sales a year. And we determined that to be more efficient, we should stockpile all our own materials. We should just have a stockpile of wood and hardware and fasteners. And for that, we needed a bigger space. And the old Cumberland Farms in Cape Elizabeth had been abandoned for seven years. And uh, the, the price to buy that building was less than it would be to lease elsewhere. So, so the- we decided to buy that building at a pretty good price, renovate it and run our business out of there and store materials there. And then the pandemic hit. So I bought the building in 99, December 99. The pandemic obviously hit in February, March 2020. Um, so we stopped going into houses and we had to do you reduce mean, our do crew you mean, down. Do you mean 2019 you built the building? You you bought the building? Not yeah, I, built, I bought the building in December 2019. Okay, yep. Yeah. And... Uh, Pandemic hit February 2020. We had to reduce our work crew because we weren't doing jobs. And at that point, myself and a few of the people working for me decided to make the switch that if we're going to stock wood, we might as well sell wood. And uh, we started doing research. We drove around the state. We visited all these small mills and realized that there's a huge need, A, in Cape Elizabeth for a hardware store, lumber store. Uh, when Rufus Deering closed, which was downtown Portland, there was a a huge hole of, um, there was just a big need for lumber and there was nowhere else to buy it. So we decided let's, let's go all in, let's drop the construction business and go retail. And this is maybe a good time to segue to what, <laughs> <laughs> what sort of brings you to, to the podcast today is a recent letter that was published in the Cape Courier calling essentially for our town planner to sort of, you know, back her bags. You, you're, you state um, that we need a new town planner. And, and so what is it about your experience doing business in Cape Elizabeth that has led you to publish this article that really turned a lot of heads? Uh, well, I'm glad it's turned a lot of heads, and it was. I, I had to be pretty blatant in the article because I've written a few editorials that sort of skirted the issue. Um, but uh, the the hardest part, it, I, I mean, nationally, the hardest part starting any business is bureaucracy. Is like small town bureaucracy that just causes delays, financial delays, and time delays. And then often the bureaucracy is so confusing that it's so hard to figure things out. And when people say, was it really tough starting business in the pandemic? I say that was the easy part. The hard part was dealing with Maureen O'Meara and the town of Cape Elizabeth. And Maureen O'Meara is the town planner. 
and and it was it was like living in an alternate reality where everyone else was supporting small businesses and and the town of Cape Elizabeth was just crushing us crushing us at every step of the way could you uh, give us a few concrete examples of of when in your experience the town planners sort of made it more difficult for you to be successful as a sustainable micro lumberyard Oh, every step of the way. Um, I mean, I could, if this podcast was two hours, I would just be getting started. <laughs> um, I mean, there, it, it turns, if, if the town planner likes you, she makes it very easy for you. And if she doesn't like you, she makes it incredibly difficult. And our approval process took 14 months and $120,000. Your approval that, process took 14 months? And $120,000. And that is for pre-existing building with a pre-approved site plan on a pre-approved lot. Well, that's interesting because the Dunham Court uh, affordable housing project that was rammed through the town council took uh, between the notice of public hearing and the actual vote was like between six and eight months. <laughs> so that yeah, I guess- I, they, I could go into details of, I mean, the whole system is broken and there's just one central character and this character has been consistent for a couple of decades now. and. It, it's bizarre that that everything goes through the town planner, like everything, every new applicant, whether it's a business or a construction project, or even would be affordable housing. Every, every single thing goes through the town planner, and if you don't like what the town planner says, there's no recourse, there's no transparency, there's no record. I mean, if you're a school teacher or a firefighter, there's a sort of a record of performance. There's there, there's just no records of any investigations, follow-ups, um, referrals. Do you, do you, uh, it, do you know what uh, their contract is, or what the what her employment arrangement is with the town? Um, she's a hired employee, and she has one supervisor, the town manager. And it beyond that, there's no um, there's no way to do anything. Now, do you? So, do you think that um, in your letter to the Cape Courier, you, you say for some reason that the town planner is beyond reproach? Uh, do you think that there have been the bases for discipline or for reproach? I mean, do you think that she's sort of been skating through not doing her job? Or is your criticism really just your own personal experience? Oh, no, no, it is so, if it was my own personal experience, I would sort of button my lip, but um, I feel like I've become a um, a lightning rod because it's. It, I've made it clear about my displeasure for the town planner, and every day at my store, two or three people come in saying, thank you, thank you, thank you, we're in total agreement with you, we've had awful experiences with her, how do we get rid of her? And And there are people that come in tears, and there, there's just so many stories of, of so many people having such struggles. And it's just, it, it's totally bizarre. And, and it would be one thing if we had a flourishing downtown, if we had a vibrant uh, community, if we had affordable housing, if everything was, if we had this amazing town, thanks to the town planner, I would say, okay, I get it. I get it why everything was so difficult. But but to have such an egregious approach to people and egregious approach to businesses and development and community and have such awful results, it, it, 
is beyond me why why this town planner isn't more in the spotlight for all the things that have gone wrong, especially considering her tenure. How long has the town planner been working for the town of Cape Elizabeth? I think it's over two decades at this point. And 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 in terms of like and, you know an entrenched bureaucrat like that, I mean, what what do you think has to happen? You've brought some good ideas. Uh, to the table. Uh, one is a business association. Has there been any traction in trying to develop a business association in town? There has been, but that would have to be sort of started by myself. There, it, it would be independent of the local government. And right now, um, I, I could go on a few different tangents, but a lot of my my rationale for, for really pursuing I wouldn't say justice, but change is that so the next person that tries to come into this town with a good idea doesn't go through what I went through. And and the my main issue is that there hasn't been any change and there hasn't been any open dialogue. And and we just keep repeating the same things over and over again. Now, how would you um, how would you describe just so listeners who aren't familiar with the local environment, um, if I was to guess based on your website and what I know about you, um, I would say that you're sort of a, I don't know, uh, in terms of your politics, would you say you're sort of central left? Um, oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and so, and so you are a business person who has somewhat liberal social ideas. Is that fair? Exactly, yeah. And, and I am 100% community-based, so I would not bring something to the community that I thought would would poorly affect the community. The only thing I would want to do is sort of increase, uh, uh, I'm trying, what's the word I'm trying to say is, is quality of life. There, there are ways to increase people's quality of lives in the town in a, in a meaningful manner. And, and that is not happening. And that has not been happening. Yeah. I think there, there's a, a strong need for accountability and I think in the town of Cape Elizabeth, this is my personal opinion, is that the town planner wears so many hats and is so entrenched and is the gatekeeper and the scrivener and the, um, you know, the source of, I think, right. <laughs> of all yeah, things. You, you that, use the term gatekeeper, and, it's, and that, that's 100% accurate. As I said earlier, everything runs through the town planner. The town planner influences the code officer. The town planner actually hires the town engineer. And, you know, it's it's not shocking that all of his reports match everything that she wants. Well, yeah, and she, all the, all the um, consultants that get hired through the town planner always seem to miraculously echo her dripping oh agenda. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable. And, uh, and she is the – she consults the planning board. She pretty much directs the planning board. She consults the town council. She has influence over the board of appeals, and there is, there's, it's just so bizarre. So, what do you um, do? You have we have this new. There's obviously been this ongoing, uh, horrible, divisive issue in the town regarding affordable housing. But and and there's yep. going to be a referendum on the so-called town center affordable housing amendments. That is so dumb because those were written specifically. For Dunham Court, Dunham Court is no longer on the table, but we're still going to vote on those amendments uh, in the referendum. But aside from that, we have a new state law that would, in addition to enabling these big multifamily houses, you know, projects that the town planner and the urban planners are all hot on, 
It would also, more importantly, allow private people like yourself, myself, who own property in the town to create housing. And what I worry about is that the bureaucratic red tape and expense that you described, you said it took 14 months, $120,000 for a project that already had a approved site plan in the town center zone. Now, if that's the kind of process that individuals are going to be faced if they're trying to you know, take advantage of this new state law. Do you have confidence that the town planner is going to make it easy for people to get around the site plan review? I don't. <laughs> oh, no, I shiver anytime I have to go to that office because if I have to make any small changes to my site, it's three months and $25,000. And I think, I think that's, a known, that's a known fact for pretty much everyone in this town to sort of avoid the town planner and the planning department at all costs because it is... So dysfunctional. Well, what hope do you have? I mean, are you optimistic that your efforts at making positive change, and I mean, you've already made substantial positive change by virtue mm-hmm. of opening a lumbery. Thank you. I, I love the way the business just has added to the, you know, to the vibrancy oh. and to the feel of the downtown. It's lovely. I live right in the town center, and so thank you. Um, are you optimistic that your business is going to? be able to thrive despite the obstacles and um, and difficulties that you faced with the bureaucracy? Oh, oh yes. Oh, I, I am 100% convinced our business is doing great. We love the town, town's people, and um, and I think they love us as well. I feel like we're, feel, we're filling a really nice niche in the community, and uh, we're really active with local groups and community groups, and... Um, we, we feel very lucky to be where we are and and we're making enough money to survive so we're we're pretty happy about that that's great now for uh, like I noticed on the website you're about to have uh, a big sale on rough sown cedar <laughs> is that yes, right <laughs> exactly yeah and cedar white cedar we we are pretty much the only place in the greater Portland area that sells white cedar because there's this odd logistic where people bring red cedar from the west coast and somehow i I don't know how red cedar from the west coast gets here because we have so much white cedar in the state but no one sells it except for us and these small little mills so white cedar is like gold right now and going and we bought so much early in the season that we've got excess and we just want to be able to move it before winter time so what's uh what's What's an example of a project that white cedar would be suitable for? Like a deck? Oh, uh, it's for fencing, for garden beds, for um, privacy screens. If you're building a, um, a greenhouse or a wood or sort of a wood storage area, um, there it, it's made for outdoor use and it's the, the most naturally rot resistant wood out there. Hmm. Yeah, it, it, it's amazing. And I have I have to ask about the the little structure that I think it's still there. It looks like it might be a tiny sauna, not tiny, but is there a sauna? What is it that's sitting in the front of the lumbery that looks like you want to get inside? Yeah, that is this is very kind of you to ask these great questions. <laughs> that is a barrel sauna. Oh. And, um, Mm. And it is probably the highest quality, best sauna 
I, I researched the heck out of this and found a company that for the price point and the quality is, it can't be matched. So we are working with this company. Um, they are, this company is actually out of Europe because we couldn't find any company closer that, that matched what these guys do in terms of sustainability and affordability and quality. And, um, you have to come check it out. They're, they're unbelievable. And now that everyone works from home, this is perfect. So how, what is the source of energy for that sauna? They, uh, these saunas, they come with an electric heater with stones in it. So you could put your water on the stones, have the mist, um, or steam, sorry. Or you could choose a wood option. Hmm. Well, lots, lots of exciting things to look forward to. And, yes. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, just to backtrack one, one little bit, because I know we touched on it earlier, but the, the, the true impetus for my article was that I, I write emails to the counselors quite frequently about the performance of the town planner and just basic factual-based emails. And it got to a point where the town manager asked that I stop emailing about the town planner. And this one was in direct response to my email regarding affordable housing, where the forecaster article came out that the report showed that only two affordable housing units were added in the past decade. And which, which blew my mind. And, and I, I looked back and I went through the comprehensive plan. I went through everything. And this isn't new news that we have an affordable housing shortfall. It, this was, this was noted in the comprehensive plan from a few years ago. This was noted in a report from, from when? From, I think, 1995. In, so, oh, from 2015, sorry. So we knew, we knew in 2015, we even knew earlier that there was a housing shortage, for, short housing, affordable housing shortfall, yet nothing was done about it. And I don't, I don't know who else to put this at except for the town planner. And I just worry that the change that we need is not going to come with this town planner in place because we already knew we needed change and it never happened. So either she won't do it or she can't do it. And either way, I think we just, we need a new town planner. Did you have a different experience with the town planner in South Portland? Oh, well, I, I was not that involved in the community, but the town planner in South Portland was... The, the systems in South Portland were much, much better than these. These are these are just one person. There's only one person you deal with in the town. If she doesn't like you, you're done for. <laughs> well, Michael Friedland, thanks for that warning, and thank you for your um, your contributions to um, the community of Cape Elizabeth and the greater. I don't know, main community looking for sustainable wood. It's really exciting. I had an estimate done on my house for a deck. And the guy said that, uh, you know, he would get the wood right at the lumbery because you were the only one that sourced sustainable wood. And I thought that was really great. So um, thank you. And I hope you'll come back on the show. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. And I hope I didn't come off as too vitriolic. Not at all. Because I, I definitely have a positive message with the store. But there, there are some things that are obvious that need changing. And there's no reason why people shouldn't speak up, right? I mean, I agree. <laughs> and and to follow that up, they should also write because there's no Google reviews for the town. There's no Yelp reviews. You 
you pretty much just, if you're, you've got any concerns, you really just need to email the counselors. Well, uh, Mike Friedland, thank you so much, and um, I wish you the best of luck in the coming years. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. All right. Take care. Bye.